And well, I'm going to step into controversial area as I often do because uh, my role as, as a Rav and as a teacher is to teach Torah um, as it is, unadulterated, to apply it, to make sure that uh, I teach it in a way that is relevant to you, that is useful to you, that can enrich your lives or uplift your lives or inspire your lives. That's what Torah needs to be doing. Uh, but I cannot... Um, modify the Torah, adulterate the Torah, dilute the Torah to make it palatable because of modern trends. Uh, sometimes modern trends aren't right and they will be reversed. So often it happens that, that there is a trend in society. It could be in science, in medicine, in, in, in social life, uh, all sorts of trends that the people really believe in. And this is the thing. And the trends are later reversed. The problem is that during the time of the tr trends, countless damage is done to children and to adults. And then reversing it is, is fine, but it leaves a generation or more of people who've been damaged uh, by some of these trends. So in learning and teaching Torah, we can't give too much credence to the trends. One has to be aware of them and one has to live with consciousness of what's going on around one. And I'm speaking particularly um, about gender issues today, not so much about the issues around gender the fluidity, which are worrying enough, but the um, issues around gender roles, which has already been going on for many decades. Uh, what are what are the roles of the of gender? Are there specific roles of gender, or doesn't it really matter? Particularly in relationships, and even more particularly in marriage, in relationships between husband and wife. Now, many many people go to seek advice about improving their marriages and enriching their marriages. You need only go to the self help area of any bookshop and see how many books there are on the matter, or speak to any psychologist um, and therapist and, and the many, many people who've set themselves up as, as relationship specialists. People are seeking guidance and advice and the Torah gives us the guidance and advice. The, uh, the challenge is very often we don't take the Torah's guidance and advice uh, because it's not trendy uh, and then the relationship gets into rocky waters and we go and, and we seek help for, the, for the, the, the messy relationships. When in fact... If we look at the Torah, it's uh, th th there's so much there, and uh, uh, I, I have my own experience in my own relationships and in helping hundreds and hundreds of other people of the messes we make, of the mistakes we make, of where we go wrong and why and how we go wrong, and how we could go right, uh, and we see it in the Torah. And very often, people will go and ask a a, a godel or a tzaddik or a mekubel for advice about their marriage. And we have it in the Gemara, the, the Tanoim and the Amiroim give us the advice. It's here. This gift of Gemara where on every page there's a matmon, there's a treasure. There's Sometimes it's hidden, sometimes it's obvious. Today we'll see it in just a word of Rashi that is, that is so important and can make such a difference. And once again in our learning today, um, don't focus so much on... Uh, well, I'm not going to focus so much on each letter of the detail of, of, of what the halakha is as much as understanding what is the principle, what is the Mishnah teaching us, what is the Gemara teaching us that is applicable in all generations at all times. So starting with the the Mishnah, this is on Daphne Tetamut Bet, the Mishnah enumerates the various different acts of labor that a man can insist his wife helps him with. Uh, they get married, they, there's, there's a sharing of labor, there are things that, that she does. He has to earn a living, he has to support her, we've talked about that. 
Um, but she has to help him do that by taking on some of the responsibilities of the household and possibly even working uh, for revenue and for income if they need that income. Uh, and the Mishnah gives the various things that she does. She grinds, she bakes, she launders, she cooks, she takes care of the children, feeds the baby, um, um, gives uh, milk to the baby, uh, and makes his bed. And she works with, with wool, with weaving, and, and so on. And then the Mishnah goes on to say, uh, if, however, he's wealthy enough to have a servant, then he should hire a servant, and then it starts taking off some of the uh, labor that, that she no longer has to do because there's a servant until the point where if he has four or more, more servants, uh, the Mishnah says, Yoshevet Bekatedra, she can sit in her parlor and she doesn't have to do anything. Uh, Rashi says, Lotitrach Bishvilo Lelech Bishlichut Lavilo Chevitz Bibait Laliyah. She doesn't even have to go and fetch something. If he says, um, Please, darling, can you um, bring me my slippers from upstairs? Uh, she doesn't have to do that. She can send the servants. She can sit in her parlor. Uh, the Gemara on Ardaf Daf Samachalif analyzes that a little bit further. And on that principle of uh, if he has four servants or more, she can sit in her parlor. Rav Yitzchak Bar Chanina tells us in the name of Ravuna, it's true that they said that in the Mishnah that if she has four servants, she can sit in her parlor. That's, she doesn't have to labor, she doesn't have to toil, she doesn't have to exert herself because she has servants that can do that. But he should, she should still serve him his drink. And she should prepare his, his bed, and that doesn't mean physically making the bed. Servants can do that. It means um, making his bed comfortable, just making it uh, enticing, making it beautiful and lovely. And she should wash his brow and his and his hands and his feet. Um, and, and again, I know that sounds very archaic. And I could say very simply, that was in the olden days, that's what they used to do and that's how they used to do it. Um, but if you look at, at, at some, of, some of the other cultures even today, some of the Asian cultures, uh, this, is, this is still a practice. And again, we're not talking about the specifics of washing his, his brow and his hands and his feet. We're talking about a certain quality of relationship which has become out of fashion uh, and is so important for the success of the relationship. And we'll discuss that in a moment. On Moseget lo koso matzad lo mita says Rashi. Here we're talking where he already has four servants, and this just means lifros sadin or levadin davashin or torach. It just means setting, sorting out his his bed, making it beautiful uh, and and smooth and nice. Uh, something that doesn't involve a lot of effort, because she has servants for the things that require effort. Umishum demili dechibanino, and the reason is because these are not acts of labor; these are acts of love. Kedei shetit chabeva love. It seduces him. It it stimulates his love and his affection for her. It's not the case of the Mishnah where he doesn't have servants and she has to make the bed. That's 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 hard. She has to make the bed, somebody has to make the bed, and that falls into her area of responsibility. But these, if she has servants, honey, she can't be forced to do this. We're not saying this is the duty of a woman, this is the obligation of a woman. We're not saying that at all. If the couple are fine, she doesn't do that. Uh, they're a modern couple, and he washes himself and, and and makes his own bed, whatever, it doesn't matter. They, that, that's fine. However, 
להנהיג זאת בישראל. וחכמים are giving the woman some good advice as a custom that should be practiced in Israel uh, in order to have wonderful relationships and, and so on. And this is brought להלכה in the Shulchan Aruch in Eben Ezer and Simon Pei, um, where the, the Shulchan Aruch says that every woman should wash her husband's face, his hands and his feet, and, and serve his drink and, and order his bed. And... Um, And serve him, be present for him, bring him water, bring him the, the, the cleave for the tilas yadayim, as we do on Pesach, and, and, and other such things. It's not just this, use your own common sense to do the things that appeal to his ego and make him feel important. Because when a woman makes a man feel important, it triggers very deep feelings of love and affection. Uh, and again, one has to be so careful Uh, in, in modern society, because uh, if you look at, at situations where you might have a, a modern marriage where, not even a modern marriage, just a marriage where this is not how the man and woman relate, and she does not do anything that intimately serves him, that appeals to his ego, uh, because it's just not the trendy thing to do. But he then goes off to business, and there he has women and others who do make him feel important. And what is it like when a man's wife makes him feel like a schmatter, like a servant, uh, there to serve him. And what does that do to his ego? And he runs away and spends as much time as he can at the office because there he's made to feel like a king. There he's made to feel like somebody important. And there he does, and, and certainly in some situations, have people who will bring him his coffee and people who will, will bring him his computer and will set up his appointments for him and will do things to free his time and to make him available to do the things that he's got to do. And at work, he lands up feeling like a prince and at home, he lands up feeling like a servant. Of course, there's going to be problems later on. And if the, the woman at work who happens to be the one who makes him feel important happens to be an attractive woman as well, how much more difficult is that? And it's all very well to say then people shouldn't go out to work in such situations and women shouldn't go out to work in such situations, but that's the world we're living in. And if we want to talk about modernity, we need to talk about the modernity in a holistic way, about the way we are living and operating. And the fact is men and women are mixing in the workplace. And the fact is that, that, that women are at their best in their workplace. And in that situation, men who have positions of authority and responsibility at work do feel important and their ego is built up. And that male ego is terribly important for the male relationship, for the, the, the intergender relationship in their in, in the, intimate relationship, that ego is important. And if a wife keeps on smashing that ego, that's not good for their relationship, even if he doesn't get it built when he goes out to work, how much more so when he does. And so the halakha is, if you want a happy marriage, look after your husband's ego. It's not infradic for you. It's, it's not in any way derogatory for the, for the woman. He has to make her feel like the queen. He has to make her feel amazing as well. This is not just about, about him, but this particular piece of Gomorrah and this particular piece of Shulchan Aruch is focusing on what she can do to enrich the relationship. And she can do that by boosting his ego and, and offer, him, offer him service. I've mentioned before there was a piece of research done by American Express many years ago where it was discovered that as much as people enjoy good service, And people enjoy giving good service even more. And if she feels appreciated by him, she can find great pleasure in the giving of service because the giving of service creates connection. The giving of service cre creates relationship. Um, 
And then the Gemara goes on to say that um, even the, the Shulchan Aruch goes on to say, even if she has many servants, these things she should she should do, um, and nobody else should do. Ella ishtor. This should be something specific that his wife does, because if somebody else does this for him, he could build connection with that somebody else. If there's an attractive servant in the home, that could also be a problem. And the answer is not, well, don't have an attractive servant at home. Don't go to work and, and be around attractive women. That's not the solution. The solution is make sure that at home it's even better for him. It's even greater for him. Um, and the Shulchanach and Sif Hei refers to the Shulchanach and Sif Chet, which says that, yes, making his bed doesn't mean physically making the bed. It just means making it comfortable, derech to demonstrate love. At the end of the day, their bed is their place of intimacy and affection. And she makes it beautiful for them, not only for him. And he sees that and that and that makes her attractive. Um, and, and once again, I could easily just say, well, that was in the old days today. This doesn't apply. But it's it's an Eitzah Tovah, as Rashi says. He see you Eitzah Tovah lahanig zot Israel, And whether it's washing his feet or, or, or wiping his brow, that's not the important thing. The important thing is do the things that make him feel important. Do the things that demonstrate that you love him. Saying I love you doesn't mean much. What we say, we use the word love very, very cheaply. I love ice cream. I love hamburgers. I love my wife. It's just, it's an overused word. But expressing that love by making her feel like a queen and him feel like a king, that's something that does so much for the intimacy uh, the closeness and the connectedness of the relationship. And we learn from this so, so much, as I say, even though not specifically the details, but on the principle of the importance of service in the way we interact with each other and how good service creates deep connection and to use that in intimacy and to use that in relationship. Mm-hmm.